This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever the case may be, wherever you may be at this very minute. I'm here in sunny Southern California, and I mean sunny. Uh, yeah, for some reason, we seem to get better weather in September than we do in June and July. Um, it is magnificent out there. Uh, actually, it's a little hot. Anyway, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And we're here for you. We're here for your pets. We want to hear from you. A great, easy way to do it is pick up the phone, toll-free, 877-385-8882. Once again, that number, 877-385-8882. If you want to talk about anything, I learned something on this this Instagram thing. You know, I, I hashtag AMA. I'm thinking, no, 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 this, that's not the American Veterinary Medical Association. That's the AVMA. AMA is the American Medical Association. No, 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 they say. AMA is ask me anything. So here I am. You can ask me anything. As you know, I like to uh, start the show with some just news uh, stuff that's out going out there in the animal world from the American Animal Hospital Association, the American Veterinary Medical Association. One thing that we're hearing a lot of, we've talked about it before, and we're, you're going to hear a lot more about it as more and more research is being done, which is really the point of this comment made by at the AVMA that we really need better warning labels on cannabis products because there is a surge of animal poisonings. So I think that this warrants some discussion. So first of all, here in California, for example, I still am not, even though it's it's now legal for recreational use, marijuana, as far as the Veterinary Practice Act, many of us still can't use, recommend, sell products containing the cannabis products. And uh, that's still because by FDA, it was still registered as a, what we call a, it's a one, it's a, the category one for the type of drug, which basically is a medication that has no value and habit forming. So when you get into that grouping, then it's really tough to get these things legal. It's just, it's not going to happen. And yet, uh, across many other states, uh, it's very legal because there are actually there's a lot of research and data coming out right now out of Colorado State University. And the reason for CSU is because it's been legalized in Colorado for a long time. Now, hoping that because we are now legal in California, UC Davis will start doing some research, and I believe they already have. But here's the problem. Well, first of all, to say that CBD from hemp is illegal or dangerous blows my mind because it isn't. Now, the products that have THC, and therein lies the issue. So that let's go back 40 years, okay? Those of you who have indulged in marijuana products 40 years ago, it is not the same product today. And by that, I mean, you did not have a lot of choices. There was point blank. There was marijuana. There were tie sticks. There was hashish. And that was about it. And you can predict the strength based on what you bought. Marijuana there was one kind of marijuana. So now, besides the fact that it's ridiculously more expensive, there are so many different varieties. You, If you walk into a pot store, and the first time I ever did this when I was in, because it was, they didn't have them here in California, but I was in Aspen, Colorado, and went into a store. And first of all, I, I, I was so impressed by the research that has been done. It was a, like a wheel, a pie chart with different the benefits of CBD, CBN, CBG, THC, et cetera, et cetera. And there are a lot of medical, emotional, physical benefits of, and, the, and these are somewhat proven, some empirical, some scientifically proven. 
But what we don't know now, and really where therein lies the problem, therein why, why we're seeing a surge in, in poisonings, there are so many different varieties that, and everyone has different strengths. They say that the strength of actual THC, the cannabidiols, they call them, in today's marijuana plants are up to 30 times more potent than that from years and years ago. So what's going on now is people are thinking it's cute to blow smoke in the dog's face for themselves. They're being much more careless when it comes to products that are baked into like brownies and cookies. And you got to remember one thing. Uh, you know, let's, let's take a dog. You know, one of the complaints, I have Labradors. I know what they're like. They're food hounds. And um, if I left a sliced cake on a table that was accessible to Tommy, for example, in my yellow lab, do you think for one second he's going to stop at a slice and go, hey, thanks, Dad. That was really good. No, no, no. He's going after the whole cake. So when those cookies are made, those brownies are made, those products are made, you know, first of all, just so you know, there only have been two reported deaths because of marijuana products in the United States, and those were pot butter. I don't know anything about it because I just don't know. I've never used pot butter, but apparently it is one of the most concentrated forms of, of marijuana, and those were really dangerous. And the issue is that we know scientifically, what the LD50 is. And when I talk about LD50s, when it comes to research on drugs and medications and products and toxins, it really freaks people out, but you got to know. LD50, lethal dose, that 50% of the animals or people getting this product, this toxin, this drug will die. So LD50 is where you give it to two animals and one's going to go. So the other one's going to get really sick. That's LD50. We know that the LD50 of marijuana, but this is the this is the problem. It was done on quote unquote now marijuana. That's not good enough. Now we have to do the LD50 of THC, which is more the the toxic product when it comes to marijuana plants. And but anyway, LD50 was three grams per kilogram. That's three thousand milligrams per kilogram body weight. Now let's take a forty-five pound dog. That's 20 kilos. So that's 20 times three, 60 grams, which is 60,000 milligrams. Clearly, that's not going to happen very often. But what we don't know is at what level do the toxic signs start? And in interestingly, when it comes to marijuana plants, it could be a million different signs. Some dogs get hyper. Some get, you know, some get, some get hungry. Most don't get hungry. Um, they get weak and wobbly. They can seizure. The signs are so varied. So until we know how much marijuana, or in this case, THC or any of the other hallucinogens in a marijuana plant, the amount per volume of plant, then we can't begin to start quantifying the amount of toxin or the amount of marijuana we need to avoid or what becomes toxic. So in other words, how can we start testing the effectiveness without knowing Yet, what's toxic? We don't want to have all these dogs given toxic doses only to find out, oh, yeah, in order to, to have this beneficial effect, they're going to have to get toxic. That kind of defeats the purpose, huh? So more to come. Just be very, very careful. And for one thing, for the younger group out there, don't be stupid. You know, when it comes to, you know, you're, you're eating something, don't think it's cool. So you can put on Instagram a video of your dog sliding all over the place, bumping into walls. And that's what's out there. That we can do without. We know that it has benefit. I'm not against. I will tell you that one of my colleagues who's a board-certified veterinary toxicologist and I have done point-counterpoints on TV and radio. And uh, 
I take the pro and she, of course, takes the con. But off the record, she is also pro, but we need to know more. So very few of us are saying, oh, no, no, you can't ever do it. It's terrible. It's terrible. If I tell you just the empirical data from people that I know that have been giving their dogs CBD, which is pure CBD, even a 10 to 1 ratio, 10 to 1, 10 CBD to 1 THC, tremendous, tremendous benefit. I know of, of clients. Again, I'm, I'm sort of, my, I'm handcuffed because I can't tell you that I know of clients that have used it because it didn't come from me. But what I can say is, you know, God, you know, I have, a, I have a colleague who practices in Colorado and he put his patient on some CBD and it seemed to work really well. So you might want to read up on that. I mean, that's the best way I could say it. And that's why I do say it, because I personally am not against it. I'm in Cal- as, as a as an individual here in California where it's legal <laughs> for recreational use. I can tell you, you know what? I would do it. But I can't, I can't recommend it to one of my patients. I can't recommend it to you, but I can tell you to do your homework. There may be a lot of good out there, but we need more information. So be careful. Next case, increased incidence in Lyme disease in Nova Scotia. That's way up northeast of Canada, but in, in dogs and humans. So you got to be very, very careful. When I hear these stories about a particular area, it just, you have to extrapolate. You have to go, you know, beyond those borders and say, well, chances are, if it's, it's not like, you know, like a signal you get when you have your, your router and it, you could almost stop the Wi-Fi signal going at exactly a certain place. You walk out the door and it's not good. You walk in the door, it's good. It's not that way with these diseases. So if it's in Nova Scotia, trust me, those same ticks are around Nova Scotia. So if you live anywhere in the Northeast, I would be very, very careful. Dogs should be vaccinated and also for Lyme disease and leptospirosis. They're seeing a lot of that as well. And lepto, we've talked about it before. For me, it's a lifestyle vaccine. Uh, It is a a disease that is shed in feces and urine of of mostly uh, rodents. They pee or poop into streams. Dogs go over and they're hiking in the hills and the mountains and they lick this. They they drink water from the streams. That's how they can get it. It can be serious. It causes some pretty severe kidney damage, liver damage. You want to avoid it. So what I tell people that if you do a lot of hiking, if you go up into areas, you know, here around LA, Santa Monica Mountains, Runyon Canyon, means nothing to you, but trust me, those are the kinds of places I say, you know what, get the um, get the vaccine. Now, here's an interesting one, because I reported this a couple of weeks ago about the pig ears, and I got so much crap from all these companies. Saying, oh, no, the American, if you made it in America, USA, fine, fine, fine. Meanwhile, we have a, a Brutus and Barnaby, uh, all, all in the USA, did a pig ear recall because of salmonella. So it's sold either online. You can also get it in Clearwater, Florida. So just Brutus and Barnaby, be really careful. And again, it's not their fault. It just happens because one along the way, no one makes and harvests their own pigs. So they're getting them from somewhere. And once you have the salmonella in the herd, it can happen. It could be one of the byproducts. Again, I'm not, I've never watched them make it. I don't know how they do the pig ears, but it is very possible. It's happening. So again, I want you to be very, very careful. So kids are going back in school. And for, for some of you parents out there, you're going, oh, my God, hallelujah. They're, they're back. They're away. Now I got some free time. But um, it's more important to get your dogs out now because one of the things where the kids are out of school, what do you do? What's the first chore you give them? Go ahead and walk the dog. Feed the dog. So now they're not there to do it. So don't take a break. Very important to get them out. Exercise them. You want to give them some good mind stimulation. That's very, very important to stimulate those minds. And interestingly, most of the destructive behaviors that we see in our pets 
cats, dogs, etc., are because they are not stimulated enough. They are not exercised enough. They get bored. And what do they do when they're bored? They destruct. So very, very important to remember that. This is also important, maybe for those of you especially who live around Georgia, 33 people possibly exposed to a rabid raccoon. And I'll tell you, raccoons are really nasty creatures. And I'm even seeing skunks. I have skunks in my neighborhood. They usually you know, go through the garbages at night. And you know, usually when they would see a human, they would just make a beeline, sometimes lift that tail, spray, whatever. I was walking my dogs the other night, about two weeks ago, and uh, I saw a skunk up ahead. So I, you know, I figured the skunk would take off. You know what he did? He actually made a few steps towards us and started hissing. And until he saw Tommy, my big Labrador, that might have scared him. But when he saw my little dog, these guys, my Frenchie and, the, and my two little new rescues, which are adorable, by the way, he wanted the challenge. It was unbelievable. So they're getting really gutsy. And what's interesting, despite the fact that he finally ran away, he ran across the street when he saw Tommy, is that he didn't spray, which was kind of good. But be careful. A lot of these uh, raccoons, skunks, they do can harbor, carry rabies. You do not want to mess with them, especially raccoons are really tough. And they are gutsy, too. They will challenge you. And if you have a small dog and you see raccoons in your neighborhood, do not let your dogs alone at night because they will be attacked. That's how bad the raccoons are. This is also talk about dangers. There is a uh, Texas veterinarian that actually one day a couple weeks ago saw 12 dogs that are bitten by rattlesnakes. 12 in one day. So this is the, the fall is the time that rattlesnakes get really active. And so you'd be very, very careful. Here's what I tell people to do. Because they ask me, you know, while I hike so-and-so, I go up to this place, that place, do I need the rattlesnake vaccine? So my, 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 first of all, my answer is if there's any risk, if you know that snakes are in that area, get the vaccine. It's not foolproof. It's not, uh, it's not gonna prevent the need to go see a doctor and get the antivenin. It does buy you time. If there's any doubt, when you go up there, ask other hikers. Hi, do you hike here often? Yeah, obviously hikers with dogs. And uh, did you get the rattlesnake vaccine? Did you talk to your veterinarian about it? What do they say? And just kind of go with the flow. If you, a lot of people that are in an area that you ask, get the vaccine for their dog, then get it. Also, if you are in such an area, it's very important to make sure that you know exactly where the closest veterinary emergency facility or even just general hospital practice facility that does carry anti-venin. I am not near any of these areas and therefore I don't. It's very expensive. It has a very short shelf life. So I'm not going to sit there and buy a few hundred dollars worth of vaccine uh, of anti-venin for to maybe need to use it once every two years. But, but for those hospitals that are around those areas and the emergency facilities, they all have it. So make sure you know the quickest route to your closest emergency hospital or hospitals in case you do hike, even if you have the vaccine. So anyway, don't go away. We'll be right back after these short words, and we can get the chance to pick my brain if you'd like. We're right back. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com dogs now. That's my 
alphacbd.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. And we were talking about a lot of new stuff. And the last thing we talked about were rattlesnake vaccines. And it, and it sort of brought to my attention, I still get a lot of misconceptions about vaccine. And it, it just happened again this week. And one of the biggest detriments to some of our vaccine schedules are, and I hate to say this and I hate to be rude, but sometimes I am, and that are some breeders. And it seems like the older breeders, the ones that have been doing it for the longest, are the biggest culprits. Because I remember when I was in veterinary school, I was kind of a little bit of a hot shot. And um, not because I was smart. It's just because I am not. Um, it's because I, I worked so hard to get into vet school. And I worked for four years as a head technician at a hospital that I had a lot of hands-on experience. So by the time I got to clinics, I was like a shoo-in for me. The reason why it took me four years to get into vet school, because as I said, I'm not that smart. So it was one of those things that by the time I got to school, I was killing it in clinics. And, and the professor, the, the clinicians all knew me. I was also did something called small animal treatment crew, which was kind of the best thing you can do. Uh, Davis offered it for junior and senior students to work, stay back on all vacations and work the clinics because most of the students get vacation. And the residents, you know, you can't shut down a clinic for two weeks or for Christmas break or Easter break. So they needed students to stay back for pay, which was great, and work the clinics. And I, of course, I did that. And um, anyway, so my one of my mentors, I actually was lucky enough to have her, Dr. Barb Kitchell, for both my medicine rotation and oncology. She now she was one that is smart. She actually has double boarded in internal medicine and oncology. And just to throw in there for, for as they say, poops and giggles, um, did a PhD in comparative oncology at Stanford. We're talking smart. Anyway, one thing she said to me, knowing that that was kind of a obnoxious hotshot was that Jeffrey, don't forget that every five years, half of what we knew as gospel is obsolete. So when you're out 10, 15, 20, 35 years like I am, things that we did when I, if I did them today, people would like laugh me out of the hospital. So one of those things, if you, way, 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 way back, the classic vaccine schedule for a puppy was six, eight, and 10 weeks. Now, knowing what we know, that would be the worst thing we can do. And actually now it's eight, 12, and 16 weeks. And revaccination is, as you know, I do titers and, and that's a you know, big controversial thing. Now we're talking about lifestyle vaccines, core vaccines. Those are vaccines that you really need for your area and not doing ones that you don't. It's not like, well, if some vaccines are good, more is better. No, that's not the case. So I will see these vaccine schedules that are just horrendous from these breeders. And here I am I'm trying to be a nice guy. 
and I will call these breeders up and say, hi, 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 I'm Dr. Werber. I'm seeing one of your puppies. Oh, my God. First of all, I have to tell you, your puppy is adorable. So cute. You know, congratulations. That's beautiful breeding. One thing I noticed is you gave the vaccines here and here and here, and, and there's so much that has changed over the years that now we're finding out that to start at six weeks is actually detrimental. To give them too close is unnecessary, possibly detrimental. So they're really the best thing to do now is we're doing it eight weeks. And meanwhile, I get this back. Listen, Sonny, I've been doing this here for 40 years. I've been breeding, and I know, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I, I ain't had no problem with my puppies. So, and it was like, I get this all the time. It's like these breeders don't want to learn. It's almost as if when they became breeders, they also got their veterinary degree at the same time. They know more than we do, which is very frustrating. So make sure, regardless of what that piece of paper says, where they say, oh, when they sell the puppy, all the vaccines are completed. Well, wait a second. If the dog's only 12 weeks, that's not really possible. So, Make sure to see your veterinarian. Go over scheduling, ideally every four weeks. I, again, I, classic textbook, A12-16. Even in cats, you can do A12, but I like to add that 16 just to be safe. The goal really here is that we don't know on an individual dog basis when their immune system is going to be developed enough to mount a year response on that last shot. So it, at, for some dogs at eight weeks, you might have enough. You always got to give two anyway, except NUSA studies coming out, I'll say in a minute. So at 12 weeks, uh, like 80%, and by 16 weeks, 99% of dogs have that ability. That's why, since you don't, there's no way to test on an individual basis which dog is going to be good at eight, which 12 and 16. So we always give um, four, three shots at least. Now, can you separate them? Nine, 12, 15? Yeah, that's probably okay. Nine, 12 and a half, 16 would be even better. Nine and uh, 13 and 17, just as good. So it's it just, you want to work with your veterinarian. Now, what about Bordetella? So there are three Bordetellas out there. There is the injectable, the old standard, the first one out there. Then there's the nasal, intranasal, and now oral. Now, there's some issues with the oral vaccine, and some, uh, vac some experts need more research. They're not buying it yet as far as the protection. But the papers that came out said that if you use the intranasal, or the oral, you only need to give one in the series, which is kind of cool. Injectable, you still have to give two. That probably has something to do with the type of antibody that's stimulated. If it's IgA, if it's a secretory antibody, if it's IgG or IgM. So what they say that you can get away with only one with those two. So the question is, now let's go back to the original theory that we don't know when, forget the shot, forget its ability. What about the immune system that you're vaccinating? So since we don't know, but we, we do know that most dogs have that ability to mount the, the long-term immunity by 16 weeks of age, maybe 15 weeks of age, my recommendation is if you're going to do it once, give it with the last of the series. Okay, very important. Not, not only that, as far as protection, it's very fast protection if you use the intranasal or the intraoral. And as I would advise anybody, you don't want to take your dog out mingling with other dogs before that final, the series is final anyway. I mean, I'm talking strange places like the dog park or a street where, you know, we have this area in LA called the Grove, another area called Third Street Promenade, where a zillion people bring their dogs. That you don't want to do until the vaccine series is complete. Now, to take a dog, a dog for a walk in the neighborhood, maybe set a play dates, very important with dogs that you know, those should be done earlier, but not the areas where there are a ton of dogs. So anyway, that should... Um, 
hopefully answer any problems. If you have questions about vaccine, what to give, when to give, what's core, what's not core, where do you live? You know, for example, do I give Lyme disease vaccine here in LA? No, because we don't really see Lyme disease. Now, if one of my clients, however, was going back to the Northeast during spring and summer, now, of course, I'm going to give Lyme disease. So it all depends on lifestyle. I don't use the rattlesnake vaccine for everybody unless they uh, unless they hike a lot in areas where there are rattlesnakes. I don't give a lepto unless they hike with areas where there are a lot of streams and a lot of rodents. So too many vaccines are not necessarily good. In fact, when animals have a vaccine reaction, it's usually not the vaccine itself. It's the adjuvant. It's the preservative. It's what the vaccine is made of. And that's what sometimes causes the reaction. So the immune system itself can handle millions of antigens all at once. And, and we do all day long. So the problem more is when you give a lot of vaccines in one day, you're increasing the chance of reaction, which is why I also like to spread them out a little bit. Anyway, if you have any questions, you can always reach me at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. Also, download AirVet, A-I-R-V-E-T. You can put down me if you want as your primary doctor, VCA Century, until your veterinarian joins on. But 24-7 concierge doctor video chat. So you don't have to panic at 2 a.m. when you have that emergency. Just go ahead and, and log on to AirVet. You will get a doctor to talk to you, see what's going on. It's all, and, and your doctor, your own doctor, will get a note of the call so they know what's going on as well. Anyway, until next week, have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.